Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast. Listen in as your host, Jimmy Atkinson, invites industry leaders to share their best OZ insights and investment strategies. From market updates to fund launches, policy news, tax mitigation strategies, and more, we cover it all here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. This session is going to be uh, Ask the OZ Expert with Ashley Tyson. He's the co-founder of OZ Pros. Uh, I'm also one of the co-founders over there at OZ Pros. And once again, Ashley seems to be joining us from the Caribbean. I think you're in Puerto Rico this time. And again, a great look with the hat, Ashley. How are you doing today, man? I tell you what, it, you know, I, I hope it's not getting old, me showing up from a Caribbean island with my you know, my Caribbean hat and uh, Hawaiian shirt on. But, you know, I, it, it, it's almost like it's, you know, it's got to happen now. So, you know, on your pitch days from now on, I'm going to have to schedule some kind of event down in the Caribbean. Uh, we just came off of the Puerto Rico investing mastermind that was put on by Ozworks Group, and uh, it was a fantastic event. And um, so stoked to be here, Jimmy. Um, it's beautiful outside, you know, like a perfect like 85 and breezy uh, as opposed to up in Charlotte right now, it's probably a hundred and stifling. So I don't know. It's probably about the same there in uh, Fort Worth, right? Yeah, I think it's about a buck oh five here in Fort Worth. Well, so here's how this session is going to work. If you have a question, any type of question about opportunity zones, about QOZBs, about forming your own fund, about making an opportunity zone investment, about anything OZ under the sun, use the Q&A tool in your Zoom toolbar. We're going to do rapid fire Q&A here with Ashley Tyson. Uh, again, Ashley's the founder of OZ Pros. He's an attorney licensed to practice in North and South Carolina. And he's his sole focus these days is on Opportunity Zone deals. So Ashley, uh, before we get well, to the I, questions, why don't you give I, us a quick rundown on who you are and what OZ Pros can do? Absolutely. So uh, like you said, I, I, I like to call myself a reformed attorney because I try to practice law as little as possible and instead do cool uh, events like down here in Puerto Rico. But um, you know, since May of 2018, when I was sitting in a CLE and I heard about uh, a guy talking about opportunity zones, I ran him down in the hall afterwards and I was like, man, that sounds like 1031 and private equity got married. And he's like, oh yeah, and it had a beautiful baby named opportunity zones. And so literally we, you know, all in, not, I don't know that it was the next day, but it was shortly thereafter, uh, you know, back in 2018. And since then I've eat, breathed and slept uh, opportunity zones and even vacationed opportunity zones, right? Uh, as I'm down here in Puerto Rico and just got back from a trip out West where we, uh, we visited Hall Labs and we did some other stuff. So OZ Pros is a full service advisory firm. We started out with the goal of becoming the legal Zoom for Opportunity Zones so we could democratize access to it. And since then, we figured out that not only do people need the forms, but they need, you know, advice and counsel about how to set up the forms, about how to run their money through stuff, about how to keep in compliance, creative strategies about how if they want to do their own fund, uh, about how they want to do their own fund and maybe do some deals on their own and then invest into funds like Origin and Chris's deal like that. And uh, we've helped them put that together. And then we've got an ongoing compliance uh, you know, tool that we use in order to help them stay in compliance. 
and then just get their general questions answered. So we do a similar kind of rapid fire question and answer session, just like this in the OZ Pros Compliance Bootcamp that happens inside of the OzWorks group, which is an online virtual community about all things Opportunity Zone. And then we took that online component and we're actually doing in-person events like we just did down here in Puerto Rico. So that's kind of the the OZ Pros, OzWorks group community uh, in a nutshell. But the big thing that we're passionate about is helping people understand these things enough so that they can actually do them. And so that's what our goal is here today. Let's fire, let's get some rapid fire questions going. Uh, I was, we, you know, I wish I had that dunk tank that we talked about. So that, that way, if I can't, you know, if I don't know a question or the answer to a question, I could get dunked. But um, I don't know. I, I think I've done pretty good thus far. So let's see if somebody can stump me today. Yeah, I think we ran through about a dozen questions last time, and I think one of them may have half stumped you. But uh, maybe maybe next time you can take this from the beach and you can just dive in backward. And, then, you know, I'll just jump off, right? Yeah. I could actually be down on the, you know, the little platform down here. We were walking by that after breakfast this morning. I was like, you know, that's actually a great idea. There you go. Well, maybe next time. Uh, we do have a handful of questions already coming in. If we don't get to your question, and I don't think we're going to get to all of them, we apologize. You can reach out to Ashley at Ashley at ozpros.com. I've posted a link to ozpros.com and Ashley's email address in the chat. But let's get to um, Mr. Dan asked this question uh, actually while Chris was still speaking, but I think it's relevant to to this discussion today, Ashley, a general OZ question. Mr. Dan asks, we own a residential property in an OZ in California. It currently has one older rental home on it. What would be our best option with this property? What's some of your advice there for, for this investor, Ashley? Well, it kind of depends on if they, um, if they owned it prior to 2017 and how they owned it. I'm assuming that they either owned it individually or it was prior to 2017. And so if that's the case, it's going to be considered uh, a related party. Uh, uh, you know, and so if they were to transfer to try to transfer it into a qualified opportunity fund or a qualified opportunity zone business, that's going to make it so the property is not qualifying. And then if they did improvements to the individual rental property that's there, then those improvements would not be qualifying either. And so it presents this kind of weird conundrum. And unfortunately, that's the way that the regs came out is that it doesn't allow you if you owned it previously to kind of sell in. And so one of the solutions that we've come up with uh, on a fairly regular basis is just doing a ground lease. And so a related party can ground lease to itself if, you know, so you could ground lease that property to your qualified opportunity zone business if you do it on arm's length terms and there's no prepayments and uh, there's not a, a, an agreement to buy it for less than fair market value down the road. And so he could take that individual residential property. He could actually improve that one and then the improvements would qualify. And if he was going to build something next to it, that would qualify as well. One drawback to that is when you go to sell it 10 years down the road, you have to apportion between the new improvements and the existing stuff. But you can get creative with that when you go to apportion that at the end of the day, you know, 10 years from now. Perfect. Uh, let's let's fire off the next question here from Mitch. Mitch asks if an irrevocable trust has a capital gain, does the irrevocable trust have to make the QOZ investment or can an underlying beneficiary make the investment? So that's a great question. And there's a big difference between revocable trust, which is treated as a grantor trust and irrevocable trusts, which are treated as non-grantor trusts. 
And if the irrevocable trust has the gain, then that's the entity that's going to be the taxpayer that needs to make the investment into the QOF because it's going to be treated almost like a separate person. And so um, it's actually really kind of a cool tool that you can use in order to do some really advanced estate planning, because the great thing about the opportunity zone is that you're not going to get taxed on the increase right over 10 years. That's one of the biggest challenges with an irrevocable trust is that they pay taxes at the highest rate. So if you can hold for 10 years and not pay taxes, it's a beautiful thing. Similarly, and this is a, kind of a not well-known fact, is that if you uh, transfer to a grantor trust, right, a revocable trust, the cool thing is, is that the only amount that's going to go against your lifetime exemption is the amount that you originally contributed to the QOF. So if you put a million dollars into a QOF and then you were to die between now and 2047 and your estate still holds that interest, your estate's going to step into your shoes at the original amount you put in, not at what the amount is at your death, the value of it at your death. And so that's really cool because it allows you to freeze your estate for tax purposes, freeze the amount that goes against your lifetime exemption. So that's a great question. Yeah, great thoughts there. Yeah, not something that a whole lot of people are talking about, but opportunity zones kind of become a really cool poor man's uh, trust and you know estate planning tool. Well, I, Mitch I is talking about it. You're talking about it. Yeah, de facto. There we go. There you go. Uh, Zaffer asks a pretty basic question, and and just to preface it, Ashley, you've helped structure and start up hundreds, I think, of qualified opportunity funds and qualified opportunity zone business entities over the last several years. Zaffer asks. How can I start a fund? What are the qualifications? How much capital do I need? Are there any other basic requirements? So that's a great question. And we I think we're over 1,500 now, Jimmy, which is awesome. And it's great to see that this is really catching on and that there's this many people putting it to work across the United States. But basically a fund, all it is is a partnership or it's an LLC or a corporation. If it's an LLC, it needs to be taxed as a partnership. It can't be a single member entity. So literally, you just need to set up an LLC and then you need to know who you're going to have as kind of that 0.1 or 1% partner. That could be uh, an adult child. That could be a brother, sister, cousin, parent, whatever. And then you just need to have a capital gain and deposit that into a qualified opportunity fund within 180 days. There's something that you're smiling about there. I can't wait to hear what that was. But (laughs) my best friend's boyfriend, sister's roommate's dog right? That could be your partner in your qualified opportunity fund. And then you uh, in, then you just need to be able to invest 90% of it into qualified opportunity fund assets. The easiest way to do that is to set up a QOZB underneath it, drop the money down into a QOZB, and then you need to have 70% of your tangible property be qualified opportunity zone business property, which means that it's either original use or substantially improved. Substantially improved means that you've doubled the basis of the value of the buildings. So if you're buying a property that's worth uh, you know, $500,000 and the buildings themselves are worth $270,000, and so the land would be worth $230,000, you get to exclude the land and you need to do another $270,001 of improvements to it. That's opportunity zones literally in a, a 90 second blurb. But, you know, there's some nuances to it based upon your individual situation. That's why we do strategy calls. We've done like about 2000 of those, you know, right now. And we help people unpack the specifics of their situation to see if this is going to work for them. 
Terrific. Uh, that's a lot of time to spend on the phone. So I, I, Gary caused me to break character a moment ago with a comment he made in the chat. He said, I saw, I just saw a documentary on America's last little Italy, the St. Louis Hill District. I think you guys have more hand gestures than the guys in that documentary. So thanks, Gary, for, for mentioning that and getting me to crack a smile. I always talk with my hands. I'm terrible. You know, my wife gives me such a hard time about it because I was talking with my hands on the plane one time. I completely knocked over her ginger ale all into her lap. She was soaking wet and sticky the rest of the flight. It was terrible. I so I that. should be better. I'm like uh, I'm like the guy in Hitch. I need to stay right here. I can, I can see you doing that for sure. Uh, John asks, will today's event be available to review and watch again later? John, yes, we're recording everything. We're going to get the recordings up on the Opportunity TV website over the next few days. Let's move along to Scott's question here. Scott asks, if you start your own fund and acquire bare land to build, must you double your basis? If so, in what time frame can you then loan your money to do that? At what reasonable rate? What are your thoughts there, Ashley? Great questions. So if it's a, if it's land, if it's raw land, that's going to be original use. Or if you demolish it, that's going to be original use. Or if it's been abandoned for three years prior to when you purchase it, that's going to be original use as well. Or if you buy it as a municipal foreclosure. So those are the carve outs where it's original use. And all you have to do is just do something to it and then put it in a trader business. So the follow on to that is, is can I loan money in to do it? So yeah, absolutely. You can loan non-capital gains money into your deal in order to do the improvements or to do whatever, to make the acquisition. As long as, and there's nothing in the regs that say this, but we typically recommend that you have at least 10% capital gains in the deal. Like, so 10% of the aggregate project cost is capital gains. And, um, and then you can execute and you can do that. Great answer there, Ashley. Uh, we've got about, let's see, we've got close to 10 minutes left. So we've got several more questions. We'll try to get through as many as we can. Um, Pierre asked a question in the chat a moment ago that caught my eye. Can you seek funding through grants? Can you talk about how grant dollars are are prioritized uh, for, for projects and opportunity zones, possibly? Absolutely. So you can absolutely get funding through grants. So that's the great thing about opportunity zones is that not only do they allow you to take advantage of lots of other stuff. So like LIHTC, low income, uh, you know, uh, housing credits, affordable housing credits, historical housing credits, you know, mill renovation credits, a community development block grant credits. Uh, there's so many credits that are available out there. And the really cool thing about opportunity zones is that it became a fulcrum. It became an inflection point for communities to rally around and to say, listen, we're going to prioritize opportunity zone projects for the allocation of funds for these grants. And it, you know, unlike any other program, got a lot of different groups working together. So a takeaway from that is, is call your economic development folks, call your chamber of commerce, call your uh, your state level, um, you know, business and economic development departments of trade, that kind of thing in commerce and call them up and ask them, hey, what are you guys doing about opportunity zones? What kind of grants are available? What kind of things can I do additional inside of opportunity zones? And they're usually going to be readily available and ready. You know, they'll have somebody that they can connect you with. Fantastic there, Ashley. Um, Let me hit the anonymous for... attendee one right now. Do my own personal QOF and QOZBs have to file taxes during the 31-month working capital safe harbor? Absolutely. So all the 31-month working capital safe harbor does is protect you from that non-qualified financial property test. So when you put your money into your fund and then down into the QOZB, you've got 30 months to basically get your substantial improvements done. 
And you, during that time, you have to meet those five tests, including that you can't have more than 5% in cash, stocks, bonds, accounts receivable, that kind of thing. And so what the working capital safe harbor does is it exempts the money that came from your capital gain and any cash infusion that you put in that you have a plan for how you're going to spend it, it exempts it from, from that 5% limitation. Back to the grants question, um, I just want to mention grants.gov. You can head there to do a comprehensive search for a bunch of federal grants. And they even have a filter for Opportunity Zone benefits as one of their filtering options. So play around with that website. You might stumble upon something there that, that could possibly help. Uh, let's see. We got we got a few. We got several more minutes, actually. So let's go to Daniel's question here. Daniel asks, Ashley, I invested in my own Opstone rental property two years ago. Can I use that property for personal residential use? I don't know if Daniel's going to like this answer. Oh, man, unfortunately, no. And we deal with this a lot because uh, people are like, hey, I'm going to buy a triplex and then I'm going to renovate it and I'm going to live, you know, I'm going to put two people in one and I'm going to live in the other one. Personal use will is not considered a trade or business. And so you've got to dive deep into the personal use rules and you got to make sure that you're uh, not running afoul of those. Typically, it's more than 14 days of use or uh, if you're working on it, that's an exemption as well. But you got to be careful with that. Now, there's some limitations to that relative to whether it will be considered your personal residence or not, depending on those specific personal use rules. And so if it's going to be treated as a second home, that's going to take it out of the Opportunity Zone program because it will be not be considered a trader business. That's the crucial thing is that you got to run a trader business. Yep. And so not only personal use is not allowed, but triple net leases are not allowed either. So if you you know, have a triple net lease or you do a ground lease, that's not going to work if it's just being, if it's treated as an investment for IRS tax purposes, it's not a trader business. And so you got to be careful with that too. I think uh, you can do some minimal amount of triple net leasing, but it can't be substantially, has to be uh, substantially not triple net leasing. Is that right? Some Somewhere along those lines? Exactly. So the example that they used is if you had a three floor building and you had one of the floors triple net leased and then the remaining two floors where you were not triple net leased, so you were gross leasing, you were taking care of the building, you were managing it and you had an office there, then that would be OK as long as it was incidental to the other use. Yeah. So there's not a clear bright line test. There's there. not. And so we've had to get real creative about how we've done it for some folks that are doing more traditional type like uh, uh, like restaurants. So. I did a chicken restaurant and the chicken restaurant wanted to triple net lease from him. We said, no, we can't do that. We got to take care of the, uh, the common area maintenance. We got to pay the taxes. We got to pay the insurance and we need to be involved in this. Uh, well, let's go to Matthew's question next. Uh, next one up on our list here. Matthew wants to know if you sell an OZ investment in 2022 at break even made from a 2021 gain, can you roll it into another OZ investment to defer the 21 gain? Yeah, that get this question all the time, right? So um, if you sell prior to 10 years, basically it's just like a partnership deal with the one caveat that you get to reinvest the basis of the QOF within 12 months. So even if you were to sell at a gain, you would just pay capital gains on the gain, but you could take that basis and reinvest it at the QOF level within 12 months. Or if you do have a gain, right, you would have... Uh, another 180 days to reinvest that gain if it's prior to December 31st, 2026. Good. Uh, an anonymous question here comes in. This person says, can I invest in a wind farm 
to be built in an OZ leased land for, say, 20 years? And if the wind assets are sold to the property owner, how are capital gains protected? Yeah, so I'm, I don't know if this is the property owner that's asking if they can invest, but that would be the only one caveat that I'd be concerned about because of circular cash flow issues. But absolutely, you could do that. And so you could invest in a company that's just leasing like from a co-working space. And even if the, the lease is only like three years, presuming that they're going to you know, continue a lease in another opportunity zone space, that would absolutely be fine. So in this case, a 20 year lease for the wind assets, you know, for the wind turbine and that kind of thing is totally fine. And then if they, you know, if they sell the, you know, the wind assets, I'm assuming that they're selling the electricity to the landowner then that's totally fine. Or if they even sold the uh, at the back end where they sold the windmill to the landowner as their exit, then that would be fine as well. All right. Great question here from John. John wants to know, can a corporation that has a capital gain invest that gain into an OZ fund and defer it? Absolutely. So once again, it just depends on whoever the taxpayer is, right? Has to make the investment, whoever the ultimate taxpayer is. So uh, at, down here, we had this guy named John Heyer, who is a renowned attorney uh, that does like solo 401ks and stuff like that. And he said, remember, the corporations are like Vegas. What happens in the corporation stays in the corporation. And so inside of the corporation, that's treated like an individual. And so just like that irrevocable trust, what happens in the irrevocable trust stays in the irrevocable trust. So it would then need to be the, ta the taxpayer that makes the investment into the QOF and could thus defer. So yes. Fantastic. Uh, let's see. A uh, question from Gary here. He wants to know, what is your view on historic tax credits, HTC, to juice the returns? Uh, he says he's invested in a couple of Ohio OZ funds in 21, including CBUS and Kunst. I've had both those guys on my podcast and, and CBUS was here earlier today on OZ Pitch Day. They seem to have done a good job on mining the HTC and the Ohio tax credits. What, what are your thoughts there, Ashley? Yeah, so Ohio's done a fantastic job. So it's, a, it's an example of a state that really embraced the program. And so they said, listen, not only are we not going to poo-poo it like North Carolina did and exempt it out, right? They said, we're going to embrace this thing. We're going to make it even better. And so they have an extra 10% tax credit in Ohio that I think is actually transferable. And so it allows you to even get a better return. So either in the form of the tax credit that you can use or that you can sell and just juice the return on the deal. And so- um, uh, you know, you need to talk with them about the specifics of exactly how they're taking advantage of it. But usually those historic tax credits and investment tax credits like that are saleable. It's kind of like the deal down here in Puerto Rico is that there's a 40% tax credit for hospitality down here and it gets paid out over three years. And that's sellable at 90 cents on the dollar. And what that does is it comes in as a, uh, basically as income, as juice to the fund that they can either use for additional construction or they can distribute out to the investors. And so it, it makes your uh, pro forma really powerful because you know when you're doing construction, it takes a while to get up and running and get operational. And so that extra juice of a saleable tax credit makes your pro forma really sing. So talk to the individual sponsor about it, but I love it when people layer on opportunity zones with additional tax credits. Fantastic. Well, Ashley, we've run out of time here. We did have... Several people ask, how do we schedule a strategy call with Ashley? How do we get on the phone with Ashley? How much does a call cost? Uh, what are the charges for your services? Can you tell us just in 30 seconds how people can get in touch with you, how they can schedule a strategy call and what you charge? Absolutely, Jimmy. So they need to go to ozpros.com. 
That's like stands for opportunity zone pros with an S.com. And I believe we've got a special deal at ozpros.com slash pitch day. And um, if it's not there, uh, just go to ozpros.com and you can schedule a strategy call. We've got a discount that, um, that you'll be able to get. So if for whatever reason that uh, I'll make sure that that landing page is up and that uh, as soon as I get off here, I'll make sure that that landing page is up. ozpros.com slash pitch, pitch day. And uh, we're really excited about talking to people on the phone. There's a special discount code on there. We've got kind of different levels based upon how urgently you need to get a hold of me um, and, and have a conversation. But we're really looking forward to answering some additional questions like this. Another really great way that they can do just this exact same thing is if they sign up for the compliance bootcamp. That's ozpros.com slash compliance dash bootcamp. And inside of that, it's three, $350 a month. Um, actually, if you use first month 100 as the promo code on that, which should be at the landing page, and it also should be at that uh, when you sign up, you can get the first month for 100 bucks. So for 100 bucks, you get this four times during the month, or for an hour and a half from 10 to 11.30 every Tuesday, we go through rapid fire questions just like this. And usually we have a little bit more time to unpack people's individual scenario. Fantastic. Uh, well, Ashley, your your pitch day link did not work. I tried it. I tried some oh. variations of it, but ozpitchday.com works and OZ, I'm sorry, ozpros.com works and ozpros.com slash compli compliance hyphen bootcamp works as well. I've posted those links in the chat. Ashley, I'm going to drop your email address in the chat too, in case anybody wants to just reach out to you and Perfect. shoot a quick email. Uh, great. Ashley, thanks so much for being here today. Great content. According to Blake Christian, our friend at HCVT, he just chimed in. Uh, we'll, we will see you later and enjoy the rest of your holiday there, uh, in Puerto Rico. Beautiful. All right, island. Jimmy. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, well, I didn't get dunked, but I'm going to go jump off the pier here into the ocean. Anyhow. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Ashley. Appreciate Cheers. it. Cheers. Take care, Jimmy. Thanks again. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you like this episode, please rate and review the show on Apple podcasts or Spotify. The opportunity zones podcast is produced by opportunity DB. You can access our show notes by visiting opportunitydb.com forward slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.